Then Goliath, a Philistine champion from Gath, came out of the Philistine ranks to face the forces of Israel. He was over nine feet tall. He wore a bronze helmet, and his bronze coat of mail weighed 125 pounds. 1 Samuel chapter 17. You're listening to Writing Roots, brought to you by Aspen House Publishing. Welcome to Writing Roots. I'm Lee Hull. And I'm Lee Esses. And today we are talking about basically just people, but magically bigger people. That would be the giants. Now we're not talking about Andre the Giant, giants, not people who are just incredibly tall. We are talking about actual mythical creatures, legends, tales of races of tall people. Across the world, a lot of cultures show tall people as powerful people. I believe there are two different Shinto emperors who are reported to have been more than 10 feet tall. So at first sight, if your hero is encountering a giant, they can be very intimidated without even talking to or encountering physically. So when we're talking about these mythical giants, the biggest thing about them in most legends is that they're basically people, but big. They are sometimes slower, less intelligent, but always strong. And I've found cannibalism is something that we see a lot of, or at least eating humans in some way. You know, grind your bones for bread kind of a mantra. We see that in a couple of different giant stories around the world. I have a hard time siding with Jack on the Jack and the Beanstalk story. What would you do if somebody invaded your house and stole your stuff? Probably exactly the same thing. So let's get into some examples of giant or large, intimidating, strong creatures. Of course, you have your trolls and your ogres and your orcs. A lot of the references to giants are an alternate race similar to elves and dwarves where they are human-like, but not. They aren't exactly gods. They aren't demonic in any way. They're mostly just a different kind of people. In Norse mythology, you have the Jotuns. And to be clear, the Avengers mythology as well. Of course, the frost giants from Jotunheim are very based on this race of giants in Norse mythology. There was a carving that was dated to about the 10th century AD of, I'm not going to try to pronounce her name because I'm going to butcher it, but one of the Jotun riding a dog like a horse, might have been a wolf, and she had like reins on it, but the reins were made of snakes. It was a very interesting depiction of, because most of the time when we see giants, we don't see them using tools in that kind of a sophisticated way. It's mostly like a club and smash Harry Potter in the bathroom. And of course, heading south to the Middle East, the Judeo-Christian history, we have the Philistines, which our opener was referencing, these gigantic warrior type people. Even if you aren't super familiar with the Judeo-Christian beliefs, you likely have heard the term Goliath. You've heard that and know that it references a giant, a huge human that is not easily defeated. 
So if we want to go down under to Australia, there is an oral tradition of a giant known as Crooked Mick. If you're listening from the U.S., you probably know who Paul Bunyan is. Crooked Mick is like Paul Bunyan, but cooler. Not only does he like chop down stuff and shear sheep and such, but he makes great pies, apparently. Not only are his pies good, but they are light, so light that a gust of wind can carry them away. And not only are pies getting carried away, if he kicks a crocodile, he can send it to the moon. (laughs) I love this. And it's just so much fun that you've just got this like Australian bushman that's going out there kicking crocodiles and baking (laughs) pies. So you want to look that one up? That's Crooked Mick. And then, of course, you have a giant that is super familiar because of its prominence in Greek and Roman tradition, and that's the Cyclops. He's also familiar because he's the dude with one eye, which is interesting because most of the depictions I see of the Cyclops, he has the holes in the face in a normal where humans would have eyes, but they're just sort of skinned over and then he has a third eye at the top of the center of the forehead i always thought that was weird it wasn't like they were like merged you know i'm just picturing the cyclops and hercules the disney animated version where it's just like one big eye that's like half his face in the middle of his forehead (laughs) he has a very tall forehead as a result most of the ones we've talked about so far are Enemies of humans in some way. Except for Crooked Mick. He's saving them from the crocodiles. Okay, that's fair. I am talking about the Gentil, I believe it's pronounced. These are a race of giants found in the northern parts of Spain, close to where it meets France in that little bay there. They existed and they basically just hung out with the humans and they were really known for their ability to throw rocks and that's how a bunch of little islands off the coast were formed. But they were said to have lived alongside the Basque people at one point. They were also said to have invented metallurgy, the saw, and grew the first wheat and then taught the humans how to farm. Most of them disappeared when the comet flew across the sky around the same time that Christ was born. That was sort of a harbinger for them to go, okay, it's bedtime, and they basically just went and lived under a mountain. And of a lot of the giants we find, these ones are furry. They're hairier until we get into more modern mythology and cryptozoology. Fun cryptozoology. If we want to go a little coastal islander, In Fijian mythology, there is a giant who is so large that his teeth looked like they were burning logs. And that is why his name is Flaming Teeth. So he basically tortured the humans in the village for so long that a bunch of warriors went, lured him under a big rock, and then pushed it over on him. He died, and his teeth were brought back to the village, which brought fire to the humans. Fascinating. And then if we go to Eastern Asian cultures and mythologies, the Hindu and Buddhist cultures have the Rakshasas, and they were depicted as shape-shifting, fierce-looking, enormous creatures with two fangs that protruded from the top of their mouth. They have a lot of similarities between them and a lot of the vampire mythology. The shape-shifting, 
the eating people needing to be invited into a building. These are all Rakshasa tropes that also appear with vampires, which we'll talk about in three episodes. Yes. These ones are a little strange because I didn't necessarily want to put shapeshifters in with giants because giants are naturally large creatures. And these ones can appear humanoid, but they are described as giant, larger than, scarier than humans. And with a lot more magical abilities than most giants we're going to see. And again, eating people is a thing. So let's look into the literature and references to giants in fiction as we know it today in modern ages. Of course, from Jonathan Swift's Gulliver's Travels, we have the Brobdingnag, which is a giant and opposite the Lilliputians, which are the tiny people we talked about a couple episodes ago. And Gulliver's like the normal sized person in the middle? Yep. Okay. But if you're younger and you're looking for it, Roald Dahl has the BFG. Big friendly giant. One of my favorites is actually Fezzik from The Princess Bride. Absolutely love him. So great. And then the classic example, the Cyclops from Odyssey. And the last one I just want to touch on because I think this is how most people are familiar with giants and trolls and half giants and such is Harry Potter. We see trolls in the first book and then one of the closest friends of the main characters is half giant. Yeah, and in Harry Potter, the half giants are especially considered looked down on as lesser beings because of their mixed race. So if I'm being plagued by a giant, how do I take it down? Just make them fall over. (laughs) Okay. Crushing under their own weight. We see this a couple of different ways. We see that, of course, in Mickey Mouse had some of that. And I think the most classic version is Jack and the Beanstalk. When he makes the giant fall off the beanstalk, chops it down while the giant's climbing down. Another thing when it comes to giants is the eyes tend to be vulnerable, especially with your cyclopses. And I believe that's how the hero actually defeated the Cyclops, was he drove a spear or a lance into the Cyclops' eye. And in general, you deal with a giant the same way you would deal with a human. They're stronger, they're bigger, but they have the same kind of vulnerabilities. Their anatomy is generally the same. Of course, you could go with the Princess Bride logic and the Fijian logic. The moment his head is in view, hit it with a rock. Same to work for them. They have fire. And in general, most of the time you're going to see your heroes be smarter and more agile than your giants. D&D stats, they have better dexterity. Yep. I hope this information has helped you given a few ideas about introducing a giant character or giant race into your stories. And these are an easy one, I think, to slip in because it's not like the Chimera, which we'll talk about next episode. Basically, everyone in your audience goes, giant, right. I have an image of that in my head. I don't need a three-page description in order to follow the plot. So go out, create, have fun, put giants into your story, and always write selfishly. If you have a question or comment for our hosts or a topic you'd like us to cover, send us an email at writingroots at aspenhousepublishing.com or find us on Facebook by searching for Aspen House Publishing. 